Hey everybody, it is Moly again, and I'm joined by PJ, who is being awfully quiet for the introduction, and this is week number five of the Triple Eight podcast, unfortunately. Yep. We're ready for three more topics to come out of the hat, but, you know, you know the first deal. a word from PJ. You know the deal, three topics, eight minutes per topic, no reason to doing this, and I'm sorry I was quiet today, I want to give Moly a shot through the intro, won't be doing that wow. again. So kind. Please never trust me with so much time on the air. Um, the timer starts as soon as I pick a little thingy oh, out of that I'm hat. Feeling good. And I'm we're feeling good. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I don't think you should. Oh, look. Well, never mind. No, you should. Memorials in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. Oh, great, this is a great, good one. Great topic. Okay. So I want to start with an immediate hot take right out of the gate. The World War II Memorial is overrated. Agreed. Like, which is just, it's a shame. Like, yeah, it's like the biggest conflict we've ever been in, the world's ever been in, and like, it's a bunch of pillars around the fountain. Like, whoa, whoop, do you freaking do? Like, no, but I think it, I think it's nice and simplistic and peaceful and whatnot. But I agree, it's overrated. It gets too much. But, but why? And my question then is, why are they the states that are surrounding everything? Shouldn't it be like the allied nations? Like, wouldn't that be better? Like, well, it is it is the Americans who fought in the war, and I don't think the Americans are from other countries. But, like, I feel like that's something then you could do for, like, the Civil War, for all the states that fought in the Civil War at the time, because, like, statehood there mattered. But, like, in World War II, like, it wasn't like, oh, you're from Wyoming and you're from Kansas, oh, tension. No, there's not, like, you're American. <laughs> um... I'm gonna I'm gonna shift over to right next door to what I think is avoiding an avoiding the take memorial. avoiding the take okay okay I'm not avoiding the take I'm agreeing with you I literally agree with you as soon as you gave it <laughs> okay the second you gave it you're like, I'm like oh agreed no, no, continue continue take dodging and go go somewhere uh, okay um I'm gonna give a take of my own if you don't mind underrated memorial and the best in the city is the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. One Miss Myelin. Whoa! Terrific, terrific memorial. You see, that's that's a little that's a little dicey. Um, listen, I'm not I'm not gonna doubt the greatness of that memorial because, like, the thing I I think in the same way that the Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel is notable because of its like minimalism, I think the same thing for that memorial. I mean, you see it and just the scale of the names that hits you being on such like a small wall that's like divoted into the ground. No, that's 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 powerful. Yeah, no, it's it's also, I think, the divoting into the ground, it just sort of makes you smaller in the face of that massive wall of names. Just a massive conflict. It really it really doesn't, it doesn't do what other war memorials do and, like, glorifies the idea of war, which I think for the Vietnam War especially, or the Vietnam conflict, if you really want, uh, it just sort of, <laughs> <laughs> what, it, what it does is it, it doesn't glamorize. It just, war is gritty. War is not fun or is awful and people don't like it fighting it is awful and has tremendous costs and i think no other memorial that i've ever seen really apart from you know those dedicated to the victims of something really encapsulates that better and i think part of that impact comes from like when you look at it from far away it seems kind of unassuming but then you get close and you see how many names are cramped into that small space and you're like whoa like, mm -hmm. obviously more people died in World War II, but, like, the scale of people dying at all really hits you more in Vietnam. 
But you said that was the best memorial in DC, and while it's incredible, oh, I've, got thing, I've got one thing better about it. I've got another good thing about it. Um, do you remember when uh, when we went to DC? Um, when we saw, well, you can see it actually if you go to DC during the daytime. Well, obviously not now, but then whatever. Um, people getting these sheets of paper and like the the lore, the sort of lead pencil and sort of rubbing yeah. the names like etching onto a piece. You're creating of paper. like your I own negative. Like yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that makes it a lot more personal than other memorials can be. Because sometimes it's just a statue that you can't touch because if you touch it, then what do you do? Like, why are you touching Lincoln's knee? What the hell? Stop climbing on the monument. They, they told me that, but when I get decided to get a negative of that, it's like, oh, wow, of course, I'd love to help you. Someone from the National Park Service is there to try to help give families a way to grieve, help give loved ones a way to connect with the names of the loved ones they've lost. I feel like that's super touching and moving about that memorial. Well, I think you're right in highlighting that like personality and like being up close and personal with a memorial is the best way to do it. And for that reason, I think the best memorial in DC is the Korean War Memorial. Uh, so, I mean, just that whole like seeing like soldiers dressed as they would have been dressed, like walking through what's supposed to be like a rainstorm, like, you know, and you get to see the details on their faces, like how heavy what they would have been carrying. Like, it, it, it makes me feel, obviously you can never really feel like you were there because that's a really hard thing to replicate. But it feels like you can see how they would have felt. Like, and I think that makes it even more personal than Vietnam because you're right up close with these people. And I love, I love that because, I don't know, it, there's there's a desire as a part of all Americans, and you hear a lot of veterans talk about this. That's like war isn't as far flung as you would think. Like you can relate to it. Like we want you mm -hmm. to like reach out for like to be empathetic and sympathetic for veterans. And I think that memorial does a really good job of making me feel like that. Um, I would actually agree. I was about to mention that as another very underrated memorial. And look at that; they happen to be right next to each other. Yeah, looks like they lumped all the underrated stuff. Which is fine by me because it's less of a walk to see great memorials. But, you know, I, I really think that that is another really great example of how you could sort of immerse yourself into the experience as well as much as possible to these veterans that have fought in actual conflict. Like you, you sort of get the scale. And another thing I like about that is that it does, like how you mentioned World War II doesn't do in the, in the memorial, it has all the names of the allied countries in the uh, or the UN countries that yeah, contributed 100%, troops. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It has the the soldiers right there dressed as they would have been. It has the reflection of the soldiers on the sort of yeah, mirror-ish on the, on the mirror-ish like stone, yeah. It has the like not not fun expression of the soldiers on their faces like this is harrowing. They're fighting. Like you can this is serious. And then like and I like that. Yeah, I love it. And then for the last bit of this, I'd like to uh, circle around to what I think is one of the most forgotten and underseen monuments in D.C., and I think that is the, uh, Don't the, say it. the Don't Naval say it. Memorial. Oh, thank God. Uh, I think that is the Naval Memorial, a.k.a. the one with all the, the naval flags like on full mast in the middle of the circle. I forget what street it's on now. Um is it close to the FBI building? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So No, because I remember. I think that, like, I don't know. There's something about where a lot of people don't really get up close and personal with, like, specific, like, military functions. Like, there are things you learn in the military that are only really useful in those kinds of scenarios. And then having, like, 
uh, the representation of a flag, at, uh, or not a flag, a ship with its mast and, you know, signal flags coming off the sides. I feel like it's a really cool way of getting Americans curious about how, like, naval operations work, you know, seeing that, like, it's, it really is much more complex than just, like, fight and win and sail boat. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of complexity to it. And I, I feel like that's something that lot, not a lot of people notice and I think more people should notice. Also, having all the naval flags there makes it a lot more colorful and interesting. Yes. It's a very lovely memorial as opposed to just one marble white statue like <clears throat> the Jefferson Memorial. Um, just It's a lot more interesting. And also, it's not always under construction like the Jefferson Memorial. But since we have 15 seconds, let's do a quick lightning round of the stuff we missed. The George uh, Mason at- Memorial, right on. No one cares. Oh, I love it. No one cares. George Mason doesn't matter. Uh, Washington Monument, uh, not an obelisk, not relevant. Uh, Lincoln sit down in chair does sign language his initials with his hands pet fdr's dog pet fdr's dog at the fdr memorial that's a good way to end it good job damn we missed martin luther king that was that's also a really good one that's there's just so many of them like there really are this is a great city to like i also Um, i also didn't acknowledge another one but we can't really talk about it it's a topic (laughs) okay all right uh no, the one I was uh, talking about is the uh, old FDR memorial, the one that's just the, the square on the like the street corner right by the treasury. I like that oh, one yeah. I like that one a lot. Really simplistic. Really like it. Well, speaking of simplistic, not this topic. Oh. The papacy. The papacy. Oh. Eight minutes starts now. Where to begin? So, if you don't know, the current pope is Francis. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I like him. I would agree. Yes. Good guy. We like him. Guy before him, uh, Benedict XVI, he's still alive, still kicking. Pope Emeritus, they call him. Didn't like him as much. <laughs> but he's a good guy. Hey, I mean. They're all good guys. It, oh. <laughs> good guys now. They're all yeah. good guys now. They, they, they've been good guys, I would say, now. maybe the last 70, 80 years. They've been, been good guys. Mm-hmm. So, some of Ever them, since some of them kind of the like one... Nazis. Uh... Not some. Just like one or two. Yeah. Some, yeah, we're, you know, some of them did a lot of stuff with Jewish people that wasn't so great. Uh, the papacy. Some of them a... did do a lot of stuff, which made them not great. You, you know what I find still so crazy is like you think about like in the past how much like actual power the Pope had like to rule people and give laws, and now he has so little of that power, and he's still so absurdly rich. Well, it's just they, they had all that power to get all that money before. I mean, the church has had so much money no, for such a long time. But they're like, Honestly, I find nothing wrong with that. Cause, no, you know. But they're finding other ways to make it now. It's not like they're taxing people now. Like, they're they're investing in banks. They've got they've got dirty fingers in places, man. I'm telling you, there's, there's some laundering happening out there. And listen, oh, well, and listen well, I'm a Catholic. Hey, 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 I'm a Catholic. You're a Catholic. We're all Catholics. Well, we're not all Catholics. But, we're not all know, Catholics. But, but we're both Catholics. And like That's I think true. I think it's like being an American. If you're going to be part of it, you got to look for criticisms. You got to be able to take shots and give shots, I think, 100%. And so – Agreed. Listen, people – and a lot of people in the church don't like Francis because they think he's, like, too wimpy on, like, doctrine stances. Like, he's not being all mad at gay and transgender people, like – what the f- yeah, some 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 people in the church think that the shift away from traditionalism is gonna be like, it's gonna deteriorate the nature of the church, and which is you know, 
I mean, no, but no, I understand not. where their concerns are coming from, I and, guess. And listen, I think the Pope said it best. He probably said this four or five years ago, but he's like, listen, if a gay man is going to go into a church and, like, pray to God, who am I to, like, interrupt on that and, like, impose that my view is stronger than their connection with God? Like, huh? And listen, a Catholic's a Catholic, and I think that's sort of what he's saying. It's just like, it doesn't matter what kind of Catholic you are. It's just, you believe in God? Hooray. Congrats. Hooray. And I find that so interesting that, like, in recent years, the Pope, like, Francis especially, and John Paul, who was before Benedict, who was pretty great, too. They call him John Paul the Great. Um, and I think I think you, you saw the Pope kind of transitioning from, like, only taking stances on, like, religious doctrine to, like, becoming, like, a social kind of, like, activist. Not always mm-hmm. in terms of, like certain kinds of causes obviously francis is more like um a social causes kind of guy but like you saw john paul like for like a, a collapse of the iron curtain he was very much about unity and like incorporation like and john, john paul ii literally visited poland and the polish government was like hey you really shouldn't speak here we don't want you to do that and he's like well i'm gonna do that anyway so how about that then it, it really went a long way. Like people in Poland during um, that last decade of communist rule there really saw him as a figure they could connect with, saw him as a figure that represented all the great stuff about um, liberal democracy, the West, just, and it really opened up a lot of doors that, you know, you wouldn't expect the Pope to be the person to just say, no, we're going to not communism anymore. Yeah, but the, the other thing about the papacy that still leaves it a little outdated is that the Pope kind of has some weird traditions and some, like, old traditions that have been changing recently. So, like, I forget whether it was John the Twenty Third or John Paul the Second had to, like, officially forgive the Jews for, like, like killing Jesus or something like that. Like the, oh, it was like I forgot who that was, but that did happen. It was like it, it was like Jews. It was like Jews. We forgive you. Like it was. Listen, it's okay. Not your fault. Also, the fact not your fault though. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that the Pope also like has a manner of speaking where like anything he says is deemed by the church to be infallible it is a hundred percent correct always if he speaks like a certain way which is just well, a bunch of nuance and well if you're gonna have like a, a a spiritual and political figure because he's like he's also the monarch of the state well, yeah and it, which yeah just people just like it's so no, weird whatever. <laughs> but you know if you're gonna have a spiritual leader like that at the top then i guess it makes sense to have him be infallible because if you you can't really have that sort of you know, no uncertainty down there. As soon as the Pope says something, it goes done. Well, like, and I think it comes from the characterization as of the Pope as like Christ's embodiment on earth, like the vicar of Christ. Like he, like there has to be a method, I guess, if you're speaking in that kind of characterization, that he has to be able to speak from like God's perspective or something. I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's really right. weird. Just like most of the things about the papacy. It's really weird. It's, what is it? It's um getting... Oh man, it's like the the embodiment of the will of God as a human, as yeah. close as it can get. It's really, you really can't. It's it's, really it's hard weird. to explain because you know sometimes it really isn't an explanation. Which makes it all the weirder when you was like, oh, some pope, like a pope, was complicit in all the stuff that happened in Boston in the eighties about children. Like, oh, popes knew. <laughs> yeah, b- bishops and popes might have a... known about that. Oh, vicar of Christ. It's like. <laughs> How do you? No, no. Bishops and popes did. Well, bishops certainly did know about that. 
They certainly did. But um, speaking of not so fun stuff, the Pope did remember in like the like the medieval period when the the Pope was a bit debaucherous. Oh, there was a bit of debauchery oh, so in the Vatican. I gotta finish this off. Well, Pope Benedict the Ninth, who was Pope in like the nine or ten hundreds, uh, he was uh, regularly known for having uh, orgies in his palace. Uh, he also became the Pope when he was the ripe old age of thirteen, uh, because his dad bought it for him. <laughs> so lesson if you ever want to become a religious uh power just buy it just buy it you're gonna, to, you're gonna need a lot of money to buy at the catholic church now though or a lot of a gold. lot of money yeah, or a lot of gold you know they like gold. that's a lot of gold though yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i mean what else um didn't the medicis get all cozy with the popes at some point they became the popes for a while they, they, became, they, they were the popes <laughs> they did they did became the pope i mean <laughs> Uh, yep, yeah, I told you not to trust me with speaking. They did, they did became the Pope, is something I said. Wow. Um, that'll probably be the title of the episode. But, yeah. um, <laughs> I was just thinking that. Um, but yeah, no, there, there was a lot of corruption down there, especially during like the Renaissance. You had a lot of fun, or no, or right before, right after. I don't know. Uh, all little... the time. Listen, it's it's gonna be corrupt for a while. There's not not much we can do about it. Just don't it's be too. Hard. It's hard. Just hey, Francis. It's hard. Francis, if you're listening to this, don't be too corrupt. I love you. Yeah, don't don't do that. That's not cool. It's just hard not to be corrupt when you're such a massive figure. Like, it's just so much power and money. Yeah, circling back around, there is so much money. <laughs> I mean... Have you seen the Vatican Museum? Hundreds of millions oh, no. of billions up. of dollars. <laughs> oh, my God. And he gets all that money for, like, speaking from a balcony. Crazy. <laughs> it's true. He's a priest. Yeah, literally. Freaking, freaking literally. <laughs> Just some priest that does so. All right, what's the third topic? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We already did that one. Uh, oh no! No way. What is it? Biathlon. What? Eight minutes start now. So this is the skiing and shooting thing, right? This is the skiing and shooting thing. So oh for my a, gosh! A explainer. Looks like we've drawn another weird sport that we have. Oh, but I know this one. I know this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so biathlon is probably the the diamond in the rough for the Winter Olympics, oh. if you will. In, in, a, de- in have... a very deep rough. A very, very <laughs> deep rough. People aren't really keen on looking for it, but I am. So here you go. Um, biathlon combines two very popular, well-known sports like cross-country skiing which so many people do and enjoy and shooting as in with rifles so what you do is you ski like around a course with several shooting ranges oh yeah like you know like peppered on your back like, like peppered in between like you know you right, get to, it's five of them yeah, you get They're to a certain point you, like you get to a certain point, then you, like you go prone, like you take. You oh, know, no, it's three. Yeah, you, like you go prone with your rifle, and then you just start hitting targets. It's yeah, <laughs> you know, just like what you do all the time. You just when you're skiing. Um, you just when you're skiing in the mountains. First of all, skiing on flat land. Yeah, of course, of course. Not fun. Skiing uphill a little bit. Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> Doing so with a rifle on your back, <laughs> and then having to shoot five for five, or you run a little penalty lap. I remember. Not fun. My uh, my ex, she went to uh. 
I think it was Iowa. Yeah, they went to I- no Idaho. They went to Idaho for skiing. And I was about to say the skiing yeah, in Iowa. She went to Idaho for skiing, and it was like, oh yeah, I loved downhill skiing. Cross country skiing was like the thing you don't want to do. It was like, oh, we have to go cross country skiing today. Uh, I'd rather cross country skiing seems like the the least appetizing thing you could probably do on a mountain apart from dying an avalanche. And I think I already have the answer to this, but like maybe I'm not like I'm not correct. Like, are Scandinavians the best at this? Like, I'm pretty like Sweden, sure they're like... they're pretty like Northern Europeans are pretty damn good at this because that's kind of where you that's kind of where you ski. But like, like I really. What do you mean? <laughs> that was an awkward silence. Oh, no. Oh, no. We're going to get those every once in a while. But no. So, but like, I remember when we were watching it, by the way, on this, like, tiny TV. I forget where we were, but it was, like, this, like, it was at TV. It was at, might as well. It was at a restaurant. It was at a restaurant. Reason. And on this miniature TV, they had the biathlon going. And, like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, huh, there's a lot of Swedish people here. Like, A side note. Hold on. This was, this needs to be mentioned. Uh, during the U.S. Open, during the, the World Series? regular season of the NBA, during, what else? There was so was many the World Series happening? Sports. No, it was not. It was like late January. No, this wasn't in January, was it? This was this was in January, oh, Buster. God. Whatever it was, it was tiny. <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff to watch, and on this tiny TV in the back of the bar, they're like, "Oh, for anyone who needs it, biathlon." And I needed it, and I wanted it. Very, very <laughs> glad that I got it on what was basically an iPad mounted to a wall. Yeah, literally. But NBC Sports was very, very polite in, and they usually are in broadcasting the lesser known. Um, well, especially now during the quarantine, I saw a world, uh, what is it? The World Climbing Championships, another really thrilling That sport. sounds tremendous. It is really scary to consider how fast these people run up a wall. But we're talking about people skiing up of up little tiny hills only to shoot little tar- targets. It's yeah, scary. it doesn't seem like the skiing is particularly exciting. No. It seems like no, it's, it's more not. like a place-to-place kind of thing. Like, oh, it's like, like it's more like a shooting competition, but, oh, to get to the shooting parts, you got to ski. Just That's what you got to do. Like, that's, that's what, what I, like. I always valued the skiing part less than the shooting because you really do feel like all the skiing is just like, oh, it's just in the way. What are we really here for? And it's to see people shoot tiny pellets at little circles. Also- and that's definitely what's exciting about it because if you miss – you wouldn't think that it's high state. It's not like they're like if you miss, you're gonna get shot. Like no, I mean that'd be that'd be interesting. But <laughs> no, you can't you can't do that. So these people have to run. It's like oh, it's just a little lap. But imagine if you run a lap with your feet, it's not fun and it's annoying, and other people can get ahead of you. If you try to run a lap with skis on your feet, you will go slow. And you will lose a lot of time. Like, I've seen people lose 30 seconds to a whole minute on a race just because they did one penalty lap. But my and sometimes, th- if you miss more than once, you have to do another one. Yeah, but my thing is, like... It's so sad. What a misleading name. Like, you like you hear triathlon, and you're like, oh, yeah, running, biking, swimming. Yeah. You hear decathlon, and you're like, oh, exciting Olympic sport. You hear biathlon, and you're like, oh, is it just, like, running and swimming or, like, running and biking? No. Uh, no, nah, that's not it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't think it's misleading because it is a combination of two things. But like, I mean, not the things. It's several. It's several hours. It's a long race, so it is a biathlon. But like, 
Yeah, I don't think you'd expect the biathlon to include shooting or skiing. Or, or skiing. Or you, you'd expect it to be running and swimming or running and biking. Like, like running. Running is certainly a component of it, You ex- supposedly. Yeah, I, mean, I, saw, I saw biathlon on the Winter Olympic schedule, and I'm like, oh, this seems like it'd be a Summer Olympic sport the first time I ever watched it. And then I saw people with rivals, and I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, like, you're okay. there, like, with your alpine skiing and you're, you know, snowboarding. You're like, huh biathlon doesn't really fit in <laughs> never mind <laughs> just like, see Lindsay Vaughn just downhill skiing wow really cool give her a rifle <laughs> give Lindsay Vaughn a rifle and then also make all her slopes uh, flat so she has to kind of yeah, just like pull, really. like, no, not all pull them herself the fun thing about some of these courses is that there's like a little bridge so you go over it and then there's like a back part where there are some downhill slopes and that's a little fun but you know it's really just like watching cycling where they just like hunker down and try to catch the wind. It's really not as exciting as you would think. No, but like how but my thing is it's it seems to be all about the shooting cuz you can eventually get proficient enough at skiing where like you just get from place to place fast. It seems like the shooting is the hard part. Well, I mean, I feel like you do need to be in like a certain tier of skier to make it so that the shooting is the only thing that matters but i think in the yeah no when it comes to the upper reaches of the sport shooting is definitely the most important thing because that's where you're going to lose all the time yeah 100 percent. and like not in skiing you're going to catch up with people i guess my thing is when you have a sport that is admittedly to me not very interesting but still the best because it's hilarious but, like, what entices you to watch that over, like, why we were at a bar watching, like, the regular season of the NBA? Like, like, and I'm not a big, like, huge regular season basketball fan, but, like, it's... They do have guns. Uh, but, like, pellet guns. In the snow? But pellet, gu- pellet guns and flat skiing. With skis on. But it's, like, flat skiing or, like, slightly sloped skiing, like... But they have guns with skis. You don't see that ever, like ever. Like, there's literally no other context in which I could see that other than some Finnish man wanting to go hunt. That is, that is nothing. Or a Finnish like, soldier in World sport. War II. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's nothing I've ever seen. And they just, it really is exciting because the stakes are surprisingly high. If you miss something, I remember it was the final, literally the last station. And this woman, this woman was gold medal time. She had it. She missed one thing. She lost. Didn't even medal. Oh my god. But no, like that's how our time ends. My thing is, <laughs> your thing is not. Your thing is not whatever you're gonna say because the time is up. All I'm gonna say is like, I feel like it's all shock value. Like you watch curling once and you're like, oh, curling, weird, cool, and then you don't watch curling ever again. Like, okay, but but I've seen it several times and I've been drawn back. Like it's then again, well, I'm well, a, that, you're I'm weird. A, yeah okay okay well uh that's been the episode i had a good time on this one the hats being weirdly merciful so i'm expecting some 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 shockers coming up really bad run soon like a really bad run but you know we're 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 prepared and by prepared i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay well i'll talk to you next week i hope you're staying safe during the quarantine hope uh, right of course you and Uh, yours are doing well yes be sure to follow (laughs) please please do what the government says social distancing Um, guidelines okay bye if you want to listen to this more hey also what were you saying i have just completely interrupted you and i'm so sorry if you want to listen to us more like maybe tell your friends i guess (laughs) tell everyone you know about this podcast everyone you know everybody okay bye
Now you're threatened by...